Is your neighbor still doing a weird thing? No, she finally went away. It was really weird though. It was, what, was they, the what was that? Well, I don't know. Like she, she was like cleaning out something in front of like our front window. There's like so basically like we're we're in a basement flat. And, okay. Uh, oh, like power night. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like in the front window, I can like I'm looking out of it now, and mm-hmm. she was just down in that gap where the steps are in the window. <laughs> just like <laughs> sweeping something. I don't know. But it was so awkward because her face is just like right there. And I was just like, if I go sit down right now, she's going to look at me and it's going to be awkward. <laughs> well, it's like um, when we sit in the living room and the window is just, you know, on the street. And that's where the bins are. Yeah. And every time the neighbors go to throw their stuff away, they're very good at not making eye contact, even though we're like literally right there. Yeah. And we're just sort of staring at them. And seeing if they look, but they never look. <laughs> well, that's good. One day. I mean, my neighbors are one nice. One day we'll make contact. <laughs> yeah, yeah, our neighbors are nice too. Um, Dusty's got a good story of uh, some guy recently, last Sunday, came to the house because they were playing music and they like opened, they, so they live on the first floor and they opened their window, they just blare music. And we can't really hear it, it doesn't really bother us. Yeah. But like if you're on the street, you can really hear it. And some guy came to the door and he was like knocking and first Dusty answered the door and she's like, what's up? And he's like, it's Sunday morning. Can you please turn the music down? And she wanted to be like, it's quarantine. Like it fucking matters what day it is. She's like, but the guy's like, it's 10 in the morning. It's a Sunday. Please turn it down. And she's like, that's upstairs. So he spoke to upstairs neighbor and they were like, oh, sure, sure, fine. The guy leaved and they just turned the music up. (laughs) Quarantine times. You'd, you'd, you'd hope that this would bring us all together, right? But I think it's only made us more <laughs> towards one another. <laughs> Welcome to the Pod okay. Charles Cinecast, presented by the Prince Charles Cinema. This is your host, Jonathan Foster, and oh my god, my baby boy, my adopted, <laughs> my adopted Seth son, he's joining my us boy. today. It's my boy, Alien. Oh, what the fuck? Sorry, for the listeners at home, I have an, an inflatable alien that uh, has been to many a tall shows and just sat there while I'm rocking out because he's my boy. Selling merch. Uh, <laughs> selling merch. No, it's uh, Phil. How's it going, Phil? Yeah, I'm good, man. Um, I like your alien. Can we name him Paul so we can keep doing the shout out? <laughs> just shout out, Paul. Occasionally just goes by behind us. <laughs> Uh, yeah exactly. hey paul's going to the toilet <laughs> yeah yeah i'm good i'm good how are you yeah i'm i'm all right man i'm all right I'm, <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> I'm, One I'm, of those yeah you know it's like that weird thing where you're just kind of like uh oh it's another day it's another beautiful yeah. day but then at the same Been time the you're just kind of like it's pretty sweet at the same time <laughs> i don't know but also today we have returning to the podcast Oh my god! From all the way episode number two, I can't big believe it. Wow. Big long time. Tamsin was our very second guest, but she somehow <laughs> very second s- screwed Ed over and became guest number one. Um, yes, it's Tamsin Cleary. Hiya, good to be back, um, and good to be speaking to somebody who's not an immediate member of my family. Um, <laughs> Just for a change of pace, or myself, know? or my yeah. cat. So yeah, a change of pace. Uh, gratefully received. How's everybody doing? Yeah, yeah, all good. I mean, 
it's good to just see you again as well, Tamsin. It's uh, it's nice to yeah, see some I mean, different people. Yeah, we've got a video chat thing going, and um, yeah, no, it's it's good to see some familiar faces from the yeah. Prince Charles Cinema, which I uh, I always knew I liked working at the Prince Charles Cinema, but I didn't know how much I I needed it until it was uh, taken away. Yeah, it's a damn yeah. shame. Well, Tamsin, like I said, was in episode number two. We were talking about the Warriors. So mm-hmm. it's uh, super sweet to have Tamsin back. We've been trying to get her back on the podcast for a while now. Uh, we planned a couple of episodes in the past and it just yes. kept falling through. Um, but we're finally back. Tamsin's super knowledgeable and just all around great. So oh it's, my uh, goodness. Well, that's very it's sweet nice to, to have say. Tamsin back. Yes. That's great. Ironically, I was just playing The Warriors on PS2 right before this. <laughs> there you go. You know, I've never, <laughs> I've never played it, but I, I, I actually just set up my old PS2 so I could play... Um, Silent Hill and a, and a couple of other things. So maybe I'll I'll see if I can get a secondhand copy because I've always been curious. How is it? Do it. It's really fun. It's really yeah. fun. Yeah. I mean, it's like GTA, but like set in like seventy Coney Island. Fantastic. <laughs> and a lot yes. of you know being up on cups and stealing car radios. It's great. Fantastic. Oh yeah, it is a Rockstar game, uh, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. That's the only reason I got it. It was my first exposure to the film. Yeah, uh-huh. it's a, I mean, it's a kind of a strange cultural artifact, isn't it? Because it's like I remember it was it was very common in in like friends PS2 like game collections when I was growing up. You know, people who I assume had never seen the movie. I mean, I I knew about the game certainly before I knew about the movie. So I don't know how it kind of came to be. I mean, I guess once like Rockstar Games, I mean, they could have pitched anything if they wanted to do like a, a Kramer versus Kramer open world <laughs> game in two thousand five or whatever it was. They could have gotten away, from, you know, with it, you know, because they uh, they were Rockstar games. Yeah, Rockstar um, can do anything. <laughs> so welcome to our Rockstar game special. Yeah, yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, I mean, I, uh, <laughs> I would happily uh, rap with you guys about GTA San Andreas all day. Well, but, I mean, mm-hmm. I pretty sure I said that on the last podcast or the one before that I've been playing. Uh, playing on your phone. On my phone, yeah. Um, oh, San really? Andreas, Which, yeah. What, really? Yeah, and I bought how, it. And uh, how's that? It's after you get through like the weird controls of doing it on your phone, because I yeah. never did buy one of those uh, controllers because you can get a controller for your phone and uh, it'll mm-hmm. be a lot better, but I just haven't done that. But yeah, it's great. It's, it's like everything that I remember and more like, it's just so beautiful to play that game again. I mean, you got yeah. Sam Jackson <laughs> in it as well. I mean, never mind it's- the stupid memes galore that are going around with Grand Theft Auto San Andreas all the time. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh yeah, can I get a number nine, two number four? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and also, just shout out Ariane. Uh, oh shit, here we go again. <laughs> uh, Ariane actually wanted to be here today, but again, she was a bit busy and just feeling a bit under the weather. So, um, but she sends her love to you, Tamsin. Oh well, um, yeah, we'll send past mine back along to her um <laughs> i uh, i was uh, tremendously Im- uh, impressed with her directorial debut have we spoken about that on the podcast no well she mentioned it i wanted to wait for her to come back but she hasn't been back on yet but she mentioned that that was coming out a little thing was coming out and yeah she did this yeah. nice little thing for vice in indonesia so yeah it's like a her directorial debut out there yeah no very exciting i mean it, it was not there were no uh, english subtitles available so i mm. just <laughs> smile smiling and nodding yeah uh, and, yeah uh, i'm sure it looked nice colors yeah uh, i mean there was yeah, a couple no. of words that translate it pretty well like vagina or something yes. like that i was like all right <laughs> yeah, i think no, she means absolutely. vagina the the, <laughs> the, 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 the uh the 
the gyne gynecological theme came across uh, even in another language. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we should really have Ari explain exactly what this is. Yeah. Um, Maybe we can convince her context. to get on next week. We'll see. Uh, Tamsin, how have you been spending your, your quarantine? And can you give us like, I don't know. I, I don't remember if you were on what the last day or something like that. Um, I, what, I think I was yeah. on the, the very last shift. Yeah, uh, we both were. Yeah, which was uh, surreal, very surreal. Who was it who had the good sense to take some photos? Fafia was taking photos. Yeah. She made right. it all go outside right before we all left. It was like me, you, Jamie, Tamir, Thelia. Yes. Um, and we did a kind of like, yeah. we did some uh, some kind of quasi like Beatles, Hard Day's Night posing on the, the bollards outside. Yeah, it's like our album was about to drop. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, and... Uh, well, I mean, now it looks like that isn't going to be the very last day of the Prince Charles Cinema in general. But at the same mm -hmm. time, I think it was it was uh, nice to commemorate that that uh, significant shift. Um, it was the end of an era. The end yeah. of an era. That's no, yeah. that's a nice turn of phrase. No, yeah. for sure. Um, it was. Uh, yeah. So I was there till till the bitter last, and then yeah, I've been. Um, I'm I'm quarantining with uh, my family in in Peckham. And we've been watching a lot of movies, unsurprisingly. Uh, movie <laughs> and the Criterion Channel have been real uh, lifelines in this desperate time. Yeah, and as has the work of, uh, of Mr. Brian De Palma, which we will be discussing um, more in depth. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I was um, very glad of the opportunity to uh, refresh my memory and watch some of his films uh, leading up to this podcast. Awesome. Um, so I've been watching a lot of movies. What else have I been doing? I've been writing. Um, I'm working on a video essay. I've long harbored uh, an ambition to become a video essayist, um, do something in the vein of, um, you guys know every frame of painting, cool. mm -hmm. that, that guy's stuff. Um, and I mean, a whole bunch of video essayists that I really love um, uh, on YouTube and stuff. So that's something I've wanted to get into for a while. So I'm working on this, this little thing about... Um, uh, musical performances in David Lynch's films, um, which is exciting. Keep uh, keep them peeled um, for that. Um, I'll let you guys know as soon as uh, as soon as it gets out there. Yeah, that's great. Can't wait. Yeah, I mean, when it's done, just definitely throw it over to us as well. We'll share it out for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, I I, I was keen to um, I was keen to start working on something that I could kind of see through to completion, like from lockdown you know um, <laughs> from quarantine because other projects i've been working on have kind of been a little bit uh scuppered by the whole you know people not being able to um uh, leave their homes <laughs> Interact. and yeah 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 so like yeah i was uh, i had a, a screenplay that i've been working on for a good long while and i was um really excited to start uh shopping that around getting people excited about it and now um it'll be a little while before uh, that starts happening. So, um, yeah, so I was keen to, to start something that could, uh, uh, I could do just by my lonesome and yeah. video essays are definitely that. That's good. Awesome. Last couple of weeks on the podcast, we've been doing a couple of things uh, where we've been reaching out via this Prince Charles Cinema's email, and we've been asking listeners and uh, followers of the Prince Charles Cinema email list to give us 
you know, some answers to these questions that we've been asking each week. And this week's question is, what is your earliest film-related memory? So we've been asking that around. We've been getting a hell of a lot of responses from people. Um, it's pretty nice to see what kind of stuff people have been saying. Uh, we had a lot of people writing in Disney films, obviously. Uh, there's been a lot of things like Star Wars, both the originals and the prequels. So it's a lot of diverse answers out there. Uh, Tangent to throw you on the spot. What's your earliest film-related memory? <laughs> earliest film-related memory. I have, a, I have a few, and it would be kind of difficult to put them in chronological order. I mean, I know the first film I went to go and see at the cinema was uh, Thomas and the Magic Railway, mm-hmm. the Thomas the Tank Engine <laughs> feature film. Um, Banger. Uh, absolutely. I really, uh, I, I rewatched it uh, at university um, <laughs> with some friends uh, because I remembered it being, I was trying to explain the, the, the conceit of it because it was really, it was a, it's a really odd film if, you, if you've never seen it. And if you weren't a toddler around the time of its release, um, you probably haven't seen it, yeah. but uh, it has this <laughs> yeah. really bizarre conceit about kind of like mo- other other worlds and alternative dimensions, and it's 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 bizarre. It's one of the most kind of conceptually dense like <laughs> children's films <laughs> ever made. It, it kind of it's got more in common with Lost Highway, as far as I'm concerned, than 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 the TV show on which it is based. A very very strange film. But I loved it to bits when uh, I was however old I was. I remember actually, speaking of Star Wars, um, the first DVD um, that I ever owned uh, or that um, my family bought was The Phantom Menace. And I remember we had, we had this Phantom Menace DVD in the house before the, the DVD player had arrived. So we couldn't watch it. But it was there and it was this sort of like uh, this, this totemic object that represented all of this potential i mean i remember just looking at the box and 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 trying to work out you know what the hell jar jar binks was all about and like (laughs) you know ultimately i'm sure the version that i had in my head was was uh infinitely um superior um sorry to all the prequels fans uh listening no no you're right but (laughs) i (laughs) I, but that's akin to like the 20 years um that star wars fans had to wait you know about the fame of just having the dvd Yeah, <laughs> or whatever it was. Um, oh goodness, Phil, have you done this? No, yeah, Phil's next. So, yeah. what, what do you reckon? <laughs> um, is it cinema related or just, just film like, related? Any sort of thing you can think of film in an early memory? The earliest, the earliest memory, but this might be one of those um, uh, memories that uh, I've projected because people have just told me about it so yeah. much, and like my favorite. Uh, movie as a kid was Pinocchio and we had it on tape and I was home alone a lot and I learned how to use the VCR <laughs> just so I could play yes. it yeah. and by myself and I learned how to stop and rewind it and I would just watch it over and over and over again until the, the tape eventually broke um, and that's, like that film is still kind of burnt into my memory because of that like every frame of it um, so that's technically the earliest one um, even if I don't remember it well. And cinema-wise, that's, that's one of the most frustrating things that I don't remember the first film I went to see in cinema. Yeah. I could take a, you know, I could kind of guess the films around it. I remember seeing the Pokemon movie. 
nice. with like a bunch of friends from school, and that was like ninety nine, two thousand, if I'm yeah. right. Um, I remember seeing Attack of the Clones in cinema. Uh, uh, yes, absolutely. I was there with that, my lightsaber. That shit blew my mind. <laughs> like that, I'll I'll stand for those prequels just because I love that shit as a kid. I don't know. My brother used to show me movies all the time at home, and I just he would always show me stuff inappropriate that was inappropriate for me. And one of my earliest memories is walking in while he was watching American Psycho, and it was the only film he wouldn't let me watch with him. He there told me go. to leave, <laughs> and he was like yelling at me to like get out the room, get out. Yeah. Do you remember what um, you saw? Like what scene was it? Uh, it was the chainsaw bit. Yeah, there you go, perfect. I remember seeing that really young. But I mean, you know, I was probably about ten at that time. But I remember like turning on the TV and American Psycho was on like HBO or something, and just seeing yeah. that chainsaw and just like, Ugh! <laughs> uh, yeah, no, crikey, yeah, some early memories for myself. I mean, I feel like I've said a few of these on the podcast before in the past, but um, obviously, like a couple weeks ago, we were talking about Ninja Turtles, and I remember like just wearing the VHS tapes out of those. Got you what the live action? Yeah, movie. yeah. And uh, the Sandlot, another one like something I just watched all the time. Uh, yeah, Hook, like Hook, like I've seen Hook so many times. Yeah, no, same Hook is a big yeah. one. Yeah, but we're all big defenders yeah. of Hook. Uh, well, oh, I, I oh, not Tampton, me and Josh. Yeah, <laughs> if you Hook is amazing. To me, maybe like a couple of years ago, I would have probably stand for Hook, but like. I, I did rewatch it not too long ago, and oh, it's it's a it's a strange film. It's got some it's got some brilliant stuff in it. Um, One of the best John Williams scores. The score is great. The effects are great. Um, like some of the best matte painting you'll ever see in a movie. Mm. Like it, that was such a golden age for like um, special effects. I think Practical. where yeah. yeah, it's got some good <laughs> stuff in it. Mainly the thing that is is unequivocally great is. Um, Hoffman and Hoskins, like all of their scenes together are uh, are fantastic. But um, yeah, no, Hook was a was definitely an early one. You know what actually just has occurred to me, I think my earliest film memory that's like a memory that I can really is very vivid is um is Shrek. Going to see Shrek nice. in the cinema for my birthday. And I remember because it was like it was the whole thing. It was, you know, it was a birthday at the cinema, like there was a cake and 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 huh. and Trek and presents. Trek was there. <laughs> Trek was there. <laughs> so maybe it's not a totally accurate memory, but but no. Um, and that was a big one. I remember uh, very vividly the um, castle dragon sequence. You know, with like the lava yeah, yeah. river. Oh, a lady dragon. Yeah, indeed. That, uh... Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> was uh, was pretty spectacular. Yeah. Um, when I was however old I was. Was some of the people who emailed in some of their responses were uh we had jimma davies she said Myerless film memory is falling asleep watching tron in the cinema i wasn't quite five years old yet <laughs> it later became one of my favorite films <laughs> i was just going to say that makes a lot of sense because because tron is actually a pretty slow yeah. movie like i mean right. i think there's things to appreciate in it but i think it certainly would have put five-year-old me to sleep <laughs> um yeah, Michelle Ho said, going to see Jaws age five with my parents' uh, friends. It was in the 70s. I had to hide below the seats most of the time and had nightmares that a shark was coming through my bedroom window later that night. <laughs> How old did she say she was? Five years old. Five years old. Jaws, like, scares me as a 23-year-old. Yeah. That's horrible. <laughs> like, I, 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 I can't imagine me. that. Yeah, I saw Jaws really, really young as well. So, I mean, I... 
basically had no limits on what I saw as a kid. And now, now you're the Aquaman, <laughs> so it didn't do shit. Yeah. I'm afraid no jaws. Now you command the show. <laughs> yeah. Job my pet. <laughs> Uh, Paul Martin said, my earliest film memory is also a memory of the first film I ever saw in the cinema, the 1993 re-release of Snow White and the Seven Drawers. All I remember was walking out <laughs> afterwards and crying in the foyer. I had misheard my parents and thought that I was going to see Snow White and the Seven Wolves, and I was very upset about the noticeable lack of wolves in the film. <laughs> <laughs> it, now that you say it, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's pretty wolf, wolfless. Um, so yeah. Like, yeah, have you guys ever have you ever ate a wolf before? Excuse me. Yeah. I don't know. Just uh, no, thinking about. I'm pescatarian. Thinking about <laughs> snack time. Uh, hey, snack time. Hey. <laughs> snack time. smooth transition yeah i don't know why fuck it you know i was i couldn't figure out a way to get it in there you know but uh i see phil's already eating so phil what are you eating right now for your snack (laughs) another sad quarantine snack uh just mixed nuts mixed nuts sick looks good what what kind of a mix are we looking at there phil i mean there's almonds that you know cashews all good stuff Mm mm-hmm I'm just going to leave it like this for the rest of the show. <laughs> just put it in your crotch. <laughs> yeah. This is uh, Brian De Palma film for you. Uh, Tam- <laughs> Tamsin, did you bring anything? Uh, you know what? I, I'm, I'm ashamed to say I caved and I, and I ate my, my kiwi, my kiwi fruit uh, pre-recording. Um, I couldn't resist. Um, but it was delicious. Nice. I like to eat my kiwi fruit with the skin on. All right. Um, All right. I've done that before. Okay. It's a bit weird, but I've done it. You know, it's not gross. Once you get yeah. used to the hair, yeah. um, it's, I think it gives it a nice kind of snap effect, you know, kind of like a good hot dog. <laughs> that's making it sound it's so got that snap and pull. <laughs> that's why I say to people, and I'm like, once you get used to the hair, it's fine. Yeah, I've got to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, uh, yeah, uh, an excellent kiwi. I'd probably give it a solid eight point five out of ten. What about out of a five? Because wow. that's the way our scale runs. Got you. Okay, well then, <laughs> whatever that equivalent would be, can't do math. <laughs> Sorry. <Four>? Sorry. <laughs> I, I brought a uh, Belvita soft bakes, soft bakes, chocolate chip flavor. I've never had that. They are so good. I'm going to tell you already that they're getting a five out of five for the five whole grains that you're getting at them as well so <laughs> five yeah. for each whole grain <laughs> and also, for the asmr fans out there just one second oh. that good that's uh, that it doesn't 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 usually set me off but i think that that's working for me <laughs> yeah i have to excuse myself now all right well we're snacked up we're hopped up we're ready <laughs> We talked a little bit about what uh, people's favorite film memories from their early days are. Uh, I'll just do quickly a little bit of user feedback. Hey, hey, hey. User feedback. Listen to feedback. Hey, hey, hey. We had a lot of (laughs) listeners over the last couple of weeks um, listening to the podcast. So a massive thank you to everyone who's been listening. It's been awesome. Uh, Just pushing the podcast out via the emails and stuff is really helping out and getting 
a hell of a lot more ears on the podcast. And also, I guess people don't really have much to do, so it's good to fill their time with our nonsense. So we're cracking that top hundred yeah. like pretty regularly. Yeah, now. the last couple of weeks. That's really exciting. Really nice. Congratulations. So that's been really cool. So thanks to everyone. Hopefully we keep you around. We had a couple of people on Twitter <laughs> sharing their love for the turtles after our Ninja Turtles episode. A guy named Tony Two Time, oh, t- sorry, Tony Times Two. I like Tony Two Times as well. Tony Two Times. <laughs> Gotta get the paper. Get, get the, the papers. papers. Get the papers. Uh, he showed us his <laughs> lovely picture disc of the TMNT soundtrack. That was really cool. That was so cool. He even played it for us, and it sounded really cool. Uh, we had our pal Malcolm, who's a Patreon subscriber. Hey, Malcolm. Uh, he said another fun episode. Here's a little background reading on the censorship of nunchucks in the UK. And he sent this uh, TDM article about the conservative censorships in Britain through the years. And it's like all about like stuff like the Ninja Turtles and all the films and stuff that they've censored with things like nunchucks and all that. So it's really cool. Really good uh, read. We retweeted it. So if you want to go find it, just scroll through our Twitter page at the PCC podcast. Also, our pal Lee from last week's episode, I learned so much from this, but most of all, how desperate I am to return to the cinema. Want to dust off my lifetime membership and get back inside your screens. Oh, <laughs> how sweet. Yeah. Thanks so much, Lee. <laughs> yeah, last week's episode was super fun um, talking to Jamie. So thanks again to Jamie for coming on and all the listeners and everybody out there for sending us questions. That was super fun. Jamie is a silly guy, but he's also very, very knowledgeable. <laughs> so it's really cool. All right. Well, that about just takes us into the main event. One four. <laughs> so basically, we uh, wanted to talk about something really fun with Tamsin today. Tamsin already sort of gave us a little sneak of what we were talking about. Um, Tamsin, do you want to reiterate what it was? Yes. So um, pretty much as long as I've been working at the Prince Charles Cinema, I have been very diligently requesting on our request board uh, a Brian De Palma season. And uh, Paul um, finally uh, obliged. I'm, I'm sure that I was only... Uh, one of many contributing factors, <laughs> although I was very persistent. Um, and uh, then, of course, uh, the whole coronavirus thing happened, which uh, scuppered so many wonderful things, but but most importantly, uh, the Brian De Palma season at the Prince Charles Cinema. Um, so I was keen to come on the podcast to um, uh, commiserate. Uh, and I mean, hopefully, the, the once our programming resumes um the films will make an appearance but uh if that isn't the case i wanted to take the time to uh, pay tribute to uh, a master um mm-hmm. in in my view one of my favorite filmmakers a problematic fame <laughs> um uh mr brian de palma yeah um so uh, we're going to be speaking about uh his films but specifically body double yep. this afternoon body double He thought he was watching her, but she was watching him. He thought he was trespassing, but he was invited. He knew he had gone too far. He couldn't stop.
saw exactly what she wanted him to see. master of suspense invites you to witness a seduction a mystery a murder body double you can't believe everything you see after losing an acting role and his girlfriend jake scully finally catches a break he gets offered a gig house sitting in the hollywood hills while peering through the beautiful home's telescope one night he spies a gorgeous blonde dancing in her window when he witnesses the girl's murder, it leads Scully through the netherworld of adult entertainment industry on search for answers with porn actress Holly Body at his guide. Weird, nice uh, uh, thing to say there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I enjoyed that. I mean, I was, I mean it's a weird movie. It's, 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 it's definitely... Uh, it's definitely descriptive. That that sounds that sounds like the movie. Um, <laughs> the movie, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I was just I was just smiling hearing yeah. that. I, I I adore this film, and um, I uh, and a lot of people uh, don't. Um, and a lot of people <laughs> that I have exposed to it have found it quite hard to understand why I like it as much as I do. Um, and it's something that I I I don't fully understand myself. Um, I'm curious to hear your guys' reactions to it. Had you seen it before? Uh, actually, this was the first time I managed to dip my toes into the body double waters, which was great. I mean, me too. I hadn't seen it before today. Um, and then John sent me a link and I watched uh, just over half of it before. <laughs> oh, there you go. So you don't know how it all shakes out. No. I don't, no, I don't. I could kind of see where it goes, but it's really frustrating to watch a film like that and only watch the first bit of it because that's just all the build-up with none of the payoff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, was the, what was the last thing you saw? Uh, the, the weird-looking guy with the face. Mm -hmm. He's following, what's her name, Gloria around. Yeah. Um, through the shopping mall, they get to the motel, the bit in the tunnel. Oh, fabulous! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got about that far. Okay, well, the, you've got lots mm. of one. You haven't. You you haven't got to the drill. It's all about the drill. I've heard. I've read reviews, and people kept referencing a drill. Yeah, and I don't know what you'll that means. See, you'll see why. There's um. There's a fabulous moment in um, uh, De Palma, the documentary that that Noah Baumbach made about De Palma and his films, uh -huh. where they're discussing body double and. Um, De Palma is, 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 is talking about how he could never understand why people thought there was any kind of phallic reading uh, to the drill. Yeah. He was like, well, it's, you know, I, the reason the drill is lo as long as it is is because, you know, he has to see it come through the ceiling. I mean, it, it's completely logical. And then it cuts to a clip and it's just, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's not even subtext. You know, it's, he's, he's got it at, at pelvic level and <laughs> thrusting and grunting. It's and it's like, yeah. it's, um, uh, yeah, I think um, that documentary, De Palma, is really, really wonderful, um, uh, and it's a, a great insight into his process and his and his approach to cinema and to storytelling. But he's a really interesting guy in that he he will not engage with any kind of subtextual reading of his films. He he speaks about cinema like a mechanic speaks about cars. You know, it's all about mm -hmm. how to, to him it's this entirely like technical process so he he won't engage with uh 
a more kind of uh, you know, like I say, a, a Freudian reading of, of of this drill, even though his films are intensely you know uh, psychosexual and. It, so he's he's a very interesting guy in that way, um, and I would yeah. highly recommend that documentary. Yeah, definitely. That's a recurring thing as well. Could, uh, you know, like you were saying, problematic fave, a recurring criticism of his work is just you know either it's uh, sexuality or it's violence or it's apparent misogyny, mm. and he'll he never really addresses it like full on. It's more like, well, uh, you know, it's women in peril. I'm making suspense movies, like the, you know, people are gonna die, that sort of thing. It's exactly. Never, or at least from what I've heard. No, for sure, for sure. Um, there's another great um, uh, interview with him, which was done with Mark Cousins, who made the story of film uh, in the 1990s. He used to have this series called Scene by Scene, which is all fabulous. And a lot of it's on YouTube, where he would sit down with actors and directors and uh, look at sequences from their body of work and discuss them with them. And one of the best ones is the De Palma, which he did around the time, I think he's promoting Snake Eyes, which is a, <laughs> fantastic fantastic it film is. so is. good one of my absolute faves of his um in the more kind of there are definite kind of like different sort of sub sub genres that he likes to work in one is the sort of hitchcockian erotic thriller and then he definitely likes his sort of conspiracy thrillers mm-hmm. uh, things that are sort of tinged with uh paranoia and um so like things like blowout and blowout uh, yeah. and, and snake eyes um, but yeah, so this, this interview was around the time that he, he was promoting Snake Eyes and, um, yeah, he's, he's discussing, um, the kind of the Hitchcock influence on his work, which is, is very readily apparent, especially in a film like Body Double, which steals, uh, <laughs> gleefully, uh, pilfers from, uh, you know, very Vertigo, Vertigo specifically, uh, and a whole bunch of other Hitchcock stuff. Um, and Mark Cousins is saying, you know, well, why are the, the victims there typically women in your films? You know, um, why is that? And he's saying, well, you know, Hitchcock had, had women in peril. You know, I'm just making Hitchcock movies. But then Mark Cousins points out that just as much in Hitchcock's work, you would have someone, a, a leading man like, um, you know, Cary Grant or Jimmy Stewart be the victimized figure. And, yeah, De Palma kind of just ultimately concedes that that's not his thing. Like you say, there's been a lot of uh, criticism of uh, suspected misogyny in his work. Um, And I think Body Double is an interesting and very pertinent film in that discussion because, to me, he'd made a lot of these kind of uh, eroticized uh, thriller films up until this point. Things like Dress to Kill, um, Sisters, uh, things that were very much in a sort of psychosexual, Hitchcockian uh, mold up until this point and they received a lot of criticism you know a lot of um, a lot of people were not down with what he was doing whatsoever and body double to me seems to be interacting with that criticism in an interesting way uh, because essentially the, the the character that you identify with in, in body double is this, this is Jake Scully um, this sort of failing actor who's you know having Claustrophobic, um, claustroph- claustrophobic, um, possibly impotent, uh, <laughs> certainly uh, a, a very ineffectual um, character, and 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 that's who you 
that's who you identify with. So I think there's, 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 there's a certain degree of audience criticism going on in, in, in Body Double where you, you are aligned with this character who is voyeuristic and creepy and pervy. And there's a kind of a, there's an inherent uh, almost criticism of the audience where it's like you want to see a movie called Body Double. You want to see a, a sexy, sleazy cheesy thriller you're like this dude you're like this creepy yeah. um you know voyeuristic uh you know dude so i think i think there's something like like you say De, De Palma is perhaps unwilling to uh, engage intellectually with the criticism that comes his way outside of his films, but I think within the context of his films, he's very aware of it. That's where he addresses it. And I think um, I think Body Double is a very interesting example in, 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 in that respect. Yeah. I mean, like, a lot of De Palma films are pretty similar in that the way he st- tells those stories, like he says, he, he likes to show a woman in peril. He's he's pretty unforgiving about that, and but uh, well, I'm I'm with you, Tamsin. Like I I would say that he's one of my favorite directors as well. I've not seen all of his stuff. Uh, like mm-hmm. Tamsin mentioned, there's that great documentary from 2015 called De Palma from Noah Baumbach. It's definitely a must watch where he just goes through his entire career, basically everything that he's uh, he's made, and just like talks through it. And it's just a really nice documentary just talking about his career a little bit a a few of the things that like just to give a little background on De Palma before we really get into a little bit more about uh how he made and things about body double just weird little funny things about it uh that I learned watching this documentary which was really nice um that he went to Columbia but first as a physics major and he wasn't even Mm. really into film that much at the time and then he when he was in school he started seeing I think he was like in some sort of film club or something because they didn't have proper film studies at Columbia. So he was getting into film via watching like Citizen Kane and Vertigo. Uh, but due to that lack of uh, film studies and stuff at Columbia, he ended up going to Sarah Lawrence College for uh, his graduate school. And when he was at Sarah Lawrence, that's where he started making some short films. And he, he made a few of his early features, but some other people that were involved in that program would star in them. But particularly the one that really stood out, I had no idea that, they crossed paths that early on was Robert De Niro was like one of the, in one of his very first features. So yeah, De Palma essentially discovered De Niro, which is um, interesting because obviously like in uh, the more kind of popular consciousness, they're not really associated. They, they made a few films together at the beginning of both of their careers, um, which I think are uncharacteristic for the both of them. Like Untouchables and High Mom. Untouchables, of course, later down the line, which, is um, a much more, uh, yeah, that's like a classic <laughs> uh, De Niro part, yeah, obviously. Exactly. Just big time De Palma film. So it was kind of nice, like, uh, going back and watching all that sort of stuff. You start to learn about his, like, early sort of influences when he got, you know, attached and uh, obsessed with Hitchcock <laughs> and, and how that just yeah. became, like, a long time sort of thing for him. So it was really nice to see. Um, I would, yeah definitely just recommend going out of your way to catch this documentary if you like De Palma. Um, I think something like, you know, Body Double is a pretty like perfect example of kind of what his work is like. Um, 
and you know like all the way through it there's elements to it that are so fucking amazing there is like uh basically when i was describing the film before i sat down with my wife of like what you're gonna get into because she really likes hitchcock so i was like sexy hitchcock <laughs> yeah that's what we're going for here guys it's not but the thing i find fascinating about body double is it, it's it's absolutely it, a, an erotic thriller in terms of genre, yeah. but it's a deeply unsexy film. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a very uh, sexual. It's film, a very sexual but it's, film, it's, but yeah, but not a sexy film. Well, which is I think like just films like his sure his goes. erotic thrillers in general are like is just how you could just describe his style is like a sexier. Well, yeah, a sexy Hitchcock. It's sex filled. It's not sexier because Hitchcock's films are real sexy at times and proper yeah, sexy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like De Palma's um, thrillers, they're kind of like the movies Hitchcock would be making if he were unmoored from the um, censorship regulations yeah. that he was working under in some sense. I think he's just. Uh, a, a Hitchcock untethered from the mores of Hitchcock's time, who can really indulge in all of that stuff that had to kind of remain under the surface in films like Vertigo and Psycho. Uh, he can be a lot more uh, explicit, which makes um, which makes them very interesting companion pieces to each other. You know, yeah. you look at a. I would highly recommend like a Vertigo body double double bill because they're they're it's one kind of feels like an inhale and another an exhale, the introverted and extroverted reflections of one another. So I think, I don't really know if, if, if Hitchcock ever commented upon uh, Brian De Palma's work. He was alive for um, the kind the of earlier part of, yeah. Yeah, of De Palma's career. I would be very intrigued to hear what he thought of a film like, uh, say, Sisters, mm-hmm. um, which owes so much to his his film specifically psycho um but is at the same time infinitely more explicit and um extreme than a film like psycho well particularly with body double i mean this film itself just feels like such a piss take on hollywood um Mm. there's a lot of a lot of scary scenes at times as well uh that really kind of get to you a bit like in these chase scenes that de palma is so fucking good at doing these like sort of Mm. Just oh, the suspense is so high when he's following Gloria, and then um, the the Native American man just appears, the creepy weird <laughs> guy just appears, and and the, like the whole scene when he's in the elevator, and uh, you know, yeah. he just like starts to get the panic and stuff. So I mean, I find it funny because um, it, you know, when we were t- harping back on like De Palma putting women in peril and sort of stuff, and I know that that's obviously a big thing in this film, but for him to say something like, Oh, like a male character, you, you just don't see it, but he, you know, like you're talking about, it's in Hitchcock films where you have a lot of Hitchcock's male leads like Jimmy Stewart and Car- uh, Cary Grant and stuff like that, just being like in peril and stuff. How is it not sort of, I don't know, a bit hypocritical when Jake Scully himself <laughs> kind of feels like a classic Hitchcock male character in peril throughout this film, especially when he's, you know, succumbing like to uh, his fears and claustrophobia and all that sort of stuff. Um, it's pretty interesting sort of take. But yeah. yeah. I suppose he is, he is, he is a victim within the context of the story. Yeah. Right. I suppose. And he is somebody who, um, 
kind of allows himself to be victimized in all sorts of ways. Mm -hmm. um, he's like, he's quite a, I think it's a testament to, um, to De Palma's raw kind of filmmaking skill that you, you that you tolerate this character for for as long as you do for the length of a movie mm. because everything that happens in the story you experience alongside him but he has essentially no redeeming quality. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> um, definitely. He is uh, a, a, a bad <laughs> actor. <laughs> He's also, um, but I think, but I think kind of perfectly so. I really enjoy the. Um, the flatness of oh my goodness what's the it's Craig Wasson Craig Wasson yeah. who uh, um, horror fans will recognize from Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three the Dream Warriors another yep. favorite of mine um, yeah. but yeah the, the, there's a certain uh, flatness to his performance that I appreciate to to um, uh, to quote uh, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place I like his <laughs> vacancy there's a rawness to it <laughs> you know um, yeah. I think he he I think it's important to De Palma that you that you that you don't like Jake Scully, but that you that he also forces you to identify with him. Yeah. Because there are so many things in that happen in De Palma's films that are analogous to both filmmaking and film watching. I mean, voyeurism is a huge theme in his work, and mm -hmm. I think he's often stressing the parallel between a character watching something, an event, another character, and your position as an audience member, especially um, in body doubles. So I think he's always taking pains to align you with this character while also have him being so um, uh, kind of unpalatable, it, right down to a pretty crummy performance. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think... I don't think um, Palmer was ever really an actor's director. I find that uh, performances in his movies they they vary um, hugely, not just from movie to movie, but within the movies themselves. Like yeah. um, uh, in 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 Body Double, Craig Wasson isn't great. The actress playing Gloria is is really not very good. Yeah. Um, but uh, oh goodness, what's the name of the actress who plays uh, Holly Body? Uh, Melanie Griffith, yeah. Melanie Griffith is oh. is fantastic yeah. in this movie. No. She is wonderful. She's so funny and natural, and and when she kind of comes into the story, you're like, oh my goodness, a real mm. human being. Yeah. Um, which kind of works for the the story because she she's this um, porn star, and unlike the sexually repressed uh, Jake Scully, uh, who is. We, we don't really like and find something kind of unpalatable about him. She is this completely open, uh, sexually open person. And she's, um, uh, you know, ensconced in this, in this world that's supposedly like sleazy and nasty, but she's completely at home in it and she's completely in control of herself. And she's so wonderful in the film that um, it's interesting. The, the, the quality of the performances that vary even within the film itself I don't know how much of that's intentional and how much of it is just De Palma's interested in, you know, the tracking shots and the editing and the more kind of uh, technical aspects of film. Like I was yeah. saying, he, he is, I think he sees himself as a technician, you know, yeah, more definitely. than an artist. Yeah. I mean, the thing about De Palma is I think the number one thing I pull from all of his films, particularly with Body Double, because I kind of get lost with Body Double at the end. Like uh, for me, I feel like, towards the end it felt like maybe sort of it jumped the shark but you know 
I feel like something like uh, Blowout is a hundred percent start to finish. Like I just feel like it's almost like a perfect film. It's just such a good thriller. The acting's it's probably great. his best film. Yeah, it's just oh, the story's so cool. Like you just get really invested in it. Um, it's got a lot of things in it. If you're just tuning in for the first time, you have no idea what you're getting in, into. You're just gonna be like, oh god. Like yeah. you know, particularly <laughs> like when he's uh he's watching the footage at the beginning and it's the whole thing like with the screen. So it just starts like a slasher film and then it just Mm. pulls out and then you just realize he's just watching this film and he's the sound guy. But like I put that Mm -hmm. on the other night for Julia and she was just like, Oh God, what have you got me into? (laughs) Cause it's just like, Oh, are you just going to fucking give me this trash to watch? You know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think he's, he's, again, he's being playful there. Yeah. Yeah, Like it starts with this fake, Flasher movie yeah. that is seems to be um, it, it seems to be De, De Palma's vision of the way that other people describe his movies. Yeah, They're definitely. Just sex and violence, yeah. and yeah. and it's even done in this virtuoso virtuoso tracking shot. So mm-hmm. the accusation accusations leveled at De Palma is that he's only interested in violence, yeah. sex, and technical craft. Yeah. So he gives you this thing that is a kind of a funhouse mirror distortion of his work and then mm-hmm. he pulls back and yeah. gives you one of his most sophisticated um emotionally resonant and kind of grown-up movies like yeah. I, I adore blowout for me it's either blowout or carlito's way yeah but the best film he mm-hmm. ever made yeah, yeah. body I double agree. is not the best film he ever made it's the most <laughs> de palma <laughs> yeah yeah it yeah, takes all the boxes like the because the other thing I was going to get to is just like the shoot like the way he shoots his films the shots are so beautiful the editing like I mean that scene on the beach even though I know De Palma didn't really like how it came out um, in Body Double but like just the beginning of it when they're going through the uh, where there's sort of like those tents out on the beach and gorgeous just, oh, gorgeous so, and you just see the you just see the the glimpse of him yeah, as he passes them it's so beautifully cool. done. The shots are cool. The, the the chase scene, like I mentioned earlier, like walking, like when he's sort of walking behind the woman, um, following her, and then you know just freaking out, and it's just like the longest sort of like follow scene, like yeah, yeah, so good. Uh, but De Palma, like you know, became one of those heavy um, practitioners of using the Steadicam as well, particularly with Blowout. I think was like the first film he used it on, and he just yeah. obviously loved it because yeah just kept using it uh, yeah no it was it was if, if there was probably no filmmaker maybe outside of kubrick that this new invention was um so specifically suited to i think yeah. um oh, Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> yeah i guess they were for the rocky those, those were the those were the big three right that was the kind of <laughs> yeah. like the intro to the the, the steady cam was yeah like rocky uh the shining and and blowout yeah well, Body Double was filmed directly after Scarface. So it was 1984 that this film came out. Uh, De Palma basically was just like, yeah, I like to work. So I'm just going to go ahead and just make another film. It was meant to be the first of a three-picture deal with Columbia. Uh, the reception for the film would be such that Columbia elected not to make the next two films. Uh, but Body Double 2 and 3. <laughs> I mean, hey. I would have been. I would have been the first in line. De Palma, he had big fights with the center boards for the violence in Scarface. So basically, he was like, "I'll show them. I'm going to give yeah. them everything they hate and more of it than they've ever seen. They think Scarface was violent. They think my other movies were erotic. 
Wait until they see body double. I'm sure he didn't yeah. have that much gusto because he he's he's sort of like, hey, you think that was too erotic? He's quite a <laughs> soft-spoken guy. Yeah. yeah, he's got a lovely laugh. If you want no, to just enjoy a really nice little giggle cackle sort of thing, like if you enjoy listening to that, like watch that documentary because he just cackles about all sorts of things. Can you put a clip of that in now? Yeah, I will do. Like this is how I win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think rather than um i've never actually i don't know if he's ever recorded a commentary track I, i've certainly not heard one but a, a brian de palma laugh track for one of his own movies yeah would that'd be, be gorgeous amazing. yeah would be really gorgeous so so de palma said that he got the idea uh for body double when he was interviewing angie dickinson's body double for dress to kill so yeah it's a lot like a lot of de palma films um a lot of the ideas are just something he's he gets while he's making a previous film. Like I said, he likes to work, so he's constantly just working and he'll, you know, sort of get an idea for, you know, while making something, something will be funny to him and he'll just like go off and make a film. Like, I think he's like blow out. He, the whole idea of that was, uh, when he was making another film before and the sound guy kept, one of the sound guys kept bringing like sounds of like wind and stuff. And he's like, Oh, I'm getting sick of all this sound of the wind. And then next thing you know, he ends up making a film about yeah, making about a, film. a sound man <laughs> where the inciting incident yeah. is, is yeah. Wanting new wind sounds. Like, yeah, for sure. Like he, I think he's somebody who the impression I get, especially from that film about him is he kind of collects these little, these little ideas mm-hmm. and he kind of lets them sit and percolate. And then he'll, he'll go back and, and, and incorporate them into a new script. Like, um, the art gallery sequence in Dress to Kill, which is a film I have very mixed feelings of, about, um, <laughs> but has some wonderful things in it, not least the art gallery sequence, which might be, for my money, the best individual kind of discrete sequence in any of his movies. And it has nothing to do with the plot yeah. whatsoever. It's just this idea that he had for a while uh, about... Um, Two people kind of eye flirting and 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 picking one person picking another person up in a in a in an art gallery and having it play out as this kind of uh, silent balletic thing yeah. and um and that's an interesting example because that that sequence is like it's, it's it's a five out of five as far as I'm concerned the movie that contains it is a <laughs> that's is so a much yeah. it's a yikes out of five but um it's interesting that he kind of just had this idea, you know, in the back of his mind, he goes, "Okay, I'm making this this um, this killer crossdresser movie. Sure, I'll I'll um, I'll just stick in that art gallery idea that I had, <laughs> you know, I had for ten years." Yeah. Um, I, I think so. He's someone who's who's not so much concerned necessarily with kind of broader narrative, yeah, big scope, pictures, but, yeah, yeah, but with <laughs> these kind of these these moments these yeah. set pieces i mean he is he is the king of the of the set piece i mean he know? might have made a hell of a fucking anthology director you know like mm. you know, he just no for sure yeah, just these crazy ideas that it, you could just contain into like a five minute sort of yeah short, like a, you know? a, a de palma creep show would yeah. Be, yeah a hell That'd of be a really thing. cool or um a kind of his own twilight zone or something That'd yeah be great. would be would be really really interesting to see i think he's someone who um because he's still he's still making movies i i've seen a couple of the more recent ones i saw one called called passion yeah which was a kind of a throwback to the um the erotic thriller thing it was nearly unwatchable um, oh. I, think he's, I know it's so sad it's so sad but so many of these guys i mean like obviously like um scorsese's managed to kind of keep his 
head above the water. Yeah. For sure. I mean, like, and make movies like, you know, um, you watch something like The Wolf of Wall Street and you're like, a guy in his 70s made that? Made yeah, that? Exactly. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. But, I mean, like, uh, you know, Coppola's really lost his way. Um, uh, De Palma, I think, is has kind De Palma, of... De Palma, the last film I saw, I think, was Snake Eyes. Yeah, and that's, that's one a of, late that's, night one. That's one of the last hurrahs. Um, I think the last, the last one, the latest one that I've seen that I really adore is um, Femme Fatale, yeah. um, which is really very, very good with Antonio Banderas and uh, what's her, what's her name, Rebecca Romain, Re- Rebecca Romain of X Men, <laughs> of Mystique fame, yeah. Yeah, 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 of Mystique fame. Um, yeah. That's a really, really good movie. It's like, <laughs> um, it's one of his, str- it's one of his strangest. It's like he wrote it, huffing paint fumes at the typewriter. Like it, it, it doesn't make any sense. And it's, it's kind of like a trashy, trashy Mulholland Drive. Yeah, essentially, um, really, really odd movie. Um, but I think that's probably, I, I think, and looking at other De Palma aficionados, that seems to be the kind of the last canonical one, like the last, you know, <laughs> essential must watch. Yeah. yeah, everything else is like expanded universe, doesn't count. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Legend, Darwin, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, Scorsese. So he was good friends with Scorsese. He was good friends with, um, you know, Spielberg and Coppola and all those guys, uh, George Lucas, you know. Um, so there's a lot of stuff. From the past with those guys, it's interesting. They all kind of came up at the same time, that new Hollywood mm. sort of era. Uh, they were, you know, the creme de la creme, but obviously always felt like De Palma is the most underrated of them all. Um, yeah. He, I mean, obviously he's the most different of them all as well, where he only dips his toes into the big blockbusters a couple of times, you know, particularly exactly, Mission yeah. Impossible, obviously, is like the biggest yeah. thing. And obviously ex- that, yeah. in- extremely successful. But now he's hmm. like he's off, you know, making films in Europe now. He doesn't even make films in America anymore. So, yeah. The Mission Impossible, another one that makes no fucking sense. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's great, but, but it, my but, god! But he set the template right. Like we were talking about how he he he's really good at films that are like made up of of moments. And yeah. and yeah. what what are we on like Mission Impossible Six? I mean, he Six. set the yeah. set the template yeah. for these films. You know, you 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 don't say, oh, what's the new Mission Impossible about? You say, what's what what happens in it? Yeah, you know, exactly. oh, this is the one with the where he hangs onto a plane. This is the yeah. one with the tallest building in the world. And he and that, started that, yeah, with yeah, the train, sure. and then on the wire coming into the yeah. later room and stuff. I feel like the thing is, like, uh, we could easily do an episode about every single, you know, a, a single episode about almost all of De Palma films because, like, uh, all of his films are. Well, not all of them, but, you know, a good portion of his films, they're so good. Like, I could easily do a whole blowout episode, a whole Scarface episode, a whole Untouchables episode. Carrie. Carrie. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that's something we can do. (laughs) The Black Dahlia. Yeah. Not seen it, but. Maybe that's something we can do in the future. We can start dipping our toes a little bit more to Palmer. Mm -hmm. Uh, The casting for this film, for Body Double, though, obviously we said it stars Craig Watson. It's Jake Scully. He... It's probably his biggest role that he ever did. Uh, like Tamsin mentioned, he was also Dr. Neil Gordon in Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Dream Warriors, possibly the best of the Nightmare films. Uh, <laughs> arguably, uh, arguably. Yeah, arguably. I will happily have yeah. that argument with it's, anyone. It's a great film. Uh, Greg Henry, he played Sam Bouchard, so the guy who uh, basically gets him to come to his house to house sit. 
well, that he was also house sitting to take over as a house sitter, basically. Um, <laughs> One although, extra, you know, who convolution. knows? Yeah, uh, who knows? Filled with them. <laughs> yeah. uh, he features in a lot of De Palma films, but I mean, he's not like a big actor. Uh, the role of Gloria, she's played by former Miss USA winner who was originally Miss Virginia. Shout out Virginia, my home state. There you go. Uh, yeah, her name is Deborah Shelton. Uh, she appeared in a few things. Uh, I think she was on Dallas for a long time, but basically De Palma dubbed her lines with actress Helen Shaver because he didn't like the way she sounded in the film. <laughs> so that's probably adds a little bit to her bad yeah, acting. Yeah, the slightly... Um, yeah, all of, all of her... Well, I say all of her scenes. She doesn't have very many lines. Yeah. I think it, she probably only speaks at the beach, now that I think about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it has a very strange quality. I hadn't quite keyed into any kind of post dubbing shenanigans but yeah he did a good job but yeah yep um and then of course we have melanie griffith as the porn star and body double holly body uh so before i get into a little bit more about her um apparently tatum o'neill jamie lee curtis and carrie fisher all auditioned for the role of holly but turned it down brooke shields was all for the role but turned it down in order to study french literature at princeton and apparently even Linda Hamilton turned down the role there you because go. she was preparing for her role for the Terminator. There you go. Uh, well, she probably made the right I choice. Don't know. <laughs> probably made the right choice. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Probably, yeah. yeah. No, she would never have starred in the, the, the most expensive and biggest grossing movie of all time. Yeah. if She hadn't uh, chosen the Terminator. So there you go. But uh, like we mentioned, Melanie Griffith, you, well, you mentioned Tamsin. She's like such a you know breath of fresh air at that second part of the film uh, for sure and she became the big star out of the film um she basically was the one that most people were talking about when the film came out everyone just wanted to talk about her she kind of stole the scenes um she said that that role greatly contributed to her uh success later like landing the lead role in uh something wild and also working girl Something mm-hmm. Wild's amazing. If you've not seen it, go, not. go out of your way to check that out. It's fucking awesome. Uh, originally, De Palma wanted an actual pornographic actress by the name of Annette Haven to play the role of Holly Body. Uh, the studio, obviously, was just like, uh-uh. <laughs> like absolutely not. Absolutely yeah, not. No, there's, a, there's a story about that in the film, right? He yeah. screen tested her on the Columbia Pictures lot and the, the studio got wind of it and completely flipped their lid that, yeah. that a porn star was being screen tested <laughs> on their lot, you know? God forbid. Yeah. But Annette Haven actually was around during the film, uh, the, like during the making of the film and she helped De Palma out a lot to understand the pornography world and also uh, she basically was what she like I guess kind of took Melanie Griffith under a tutelage a little bit and kind of like, you know, talked to her, like helped Melanie Griffith figure her character out. Um, Melanie Griffith based a lot of her character on Annette Haven. So it was good to have her around. And also she does actually appear in the film uh, during the Frankie Goes Hollywood relax scene. So Phil, you haven't gotten to this, but during the film, Phil, do you know that that song uh, Relax by Frankie Goes Hollywood? I've never heard it. (laughs) (laughs) It's good. You should check it out. Yeah, I'll check it out. I've seen the t-shirt. I've got you. Well, I've got a little bit about that song because it's actually fascinating and I had no idea about all this. But uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, basically, it's just a fucking music video within the film, a film within the film. 
and yeah. De Palma was using it obviously as a way to uh, to promote the film because that video would go on MTV and stuff. But it's literally like one of the famous oh. videos for Relax that you see is straight from body double <laughs> that's so weird yeah, like yeah it's, it's it's a very very odd sequence he he basically um through all sorts of plot contrivances that are too complicated to go into <laughs> yeah. he ends up auditioning to um be in a porn film yeah lands the audition um and and appears in the film and for whatever reason during the film uh, which is kind of on this sort of strange like leather bar set um <laughs> Frankie goes to Hollywood. Are there, or at least Holly Johnson is there, yeah. singing "Relax" um, <laughs> uh, for no explicable reason? Well, um, like you're saying, it's the moment. Yeah. Exactly. It doesn't matter. By that point, by that, that point song. in the film, he's, he's he's worked you up into such a state of mind that you'll accept anything readily. I think. And so, yeah. sure, Frankie goes to Hollywood. Are here on a porn set singing "Relax." Of course it's, they are. As well, iconic well, as they be. well, as iconic as that scene is, um, and I, I've got a little bit about that that song in particular, what happened at the time and why that kind of ended up being in the film. But it, yeah, is that might be the part where, even though I really like Melanie Griffith and everything she has to offer the film, where I felt like the film jumped the shark <laughs> when I was no. saying it, It's so fucking bonkers. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I get, I get that. <laughs> and it's interesting that like not too long ago, he had made Blowout, which is, you know, similar in lots of ways, and yeah. it's like this, you know, high tension thriller thing. But he's so much more um, concerned with remaining credible, yeah, um, and it has a kind of a grittiness. Even Dressed to Kill, which is which is similarly um, sleazy uh, to um, to Body Double, even that has a kind of a sort of like um, New Hollywood, New York grit to it. You know, yeah. photographically, it's got a lot in common with. Um, you know what what was happening with Scorsese and 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 those kind of filmmakers, but no, Body Double really pushes the artifice hugely. Like, I mean, the opening uh, film shoot sequence, this this movie that they're making, um, Vampire's oh, Kiss, yeah, which which looks like no movie anybody has ever made, <laughs> uh, with this strange, you know, painted sunset and the the glam rock vampire, and it's yeah. just completely not plausible and. And then you you go to the back lot and they're they're wheeling past you know like old west painted yeah, backdrops exactly. like it's the 1940s and then he's driving in his car and 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 it's it's rear projection that looks like totally out of the 19 you know 40s or 50s so I think Definitely. even from those opening moments he's stressing yeah exactly with the yeah. with the with the old school um, you know steering acting and um, I think. From the, even from those opening moments, he's stressing the the artifice, the unreality of all of it. And of course, the film is thematically yeah. about um, things not being what they seem, and yeah. artifice, and kind of uh, you know, and all that. It's a movie about Hollywood. Yeah, um, and Hollywood. Frankie goes to Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> Frankie goes to Hollywood. Yeah. Of course, it's 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 all there. Yeah, and Hollywood's fake it. as shit anyway. So I mean, it, yeah. like you know, I'm sure he. I mean, he's obviously had his issues with Hollywood throughout his career, mm. diploma. So, I mean, I, and like, it's also, I mean, if you look at Mulholland Drive, I mean, it's similar to that in a way that it's a very Hollywood film and it's a very fucking weird, like, it's such a weird sort of tell in Hollywood. And it's like, it, it, there's nothing about it that should be real, but I bet you could go to Hollywood and have a day like that, to be honest. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I mean, yeah. like, 
I think that's there's there's kind of a comparison to be made that there, right? With the with the kind of the flatness of Craig Wasson's performance, you know, versus the flatness of um, Naomi Watts. Naomi Watts's yeah. performance <laughs> in Mulholland Drive. They have a certain, you know, um, both have a kind of a naivety. I think she's yeah. a much more likable character. Yeah, definitely. Um, and ultimately a more complicated one. But there's something about that um, that scene with him arriving home uh, to find his wife uh, cheating on him. Um, <laughs> that, that has the, the way he, he yeah. accentuates his his naivety, this kind of like boyish quality is almost like Naomi Watts arriving at LAX in, in Mulholland Drive. He's got this stupid, stupid grin on his face. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, De Palma takes huge pleasure <laughs> in wiping off, yeah. you know, with... Um, with the cheating wife. Yeah. Well, a little bit about Frankie goes to Holly goes to Hollywood's relax. So the song was released in 1983 in October, but on uh, the 11th of January, 1984, BBC radio one disc jockey, Mike Reed was playing the, the record on his show. And then he noticed the front cover design mm. that is, you should look at the single cover. It's really cool. It's, re- it's by, uh, Yvonne Gilbert. he, uh, basically became really outraged by the overtly sexual nature of both the record sleeve and the printed lyrics, which prompted him to remove the disc from the turntable live on air and branding it obs- obscene. <laughs> so two days later, the BBC banned the record and that resulted in the ju- the song jumping to the top of the charts in the UK. And it stayed there for, I think, for like five weeks because nobody likes, you know, nothing more than something that's banned. Of course. Um, so the original video was directed by Bernard Rhodes and it depicted a gay S&M parlor where the band members were admired by a muscular leatherman, a bleach blonde drag queen, and large body man dressed as a Roman emperor. Uh, yeah. The video featured a scene where one of the band members wrestled a live tiger to the admiration of the club goers. And then it ended where the emperor was uh, so excited he shimmied out of his toga. There you go. I have seen bits of it, but yeah. maybe not the whole thing. So basically that video was banned by BBC and MTV. And that resulted in a substitution video being made, which that's where Brian De Palma comes in to coincide with the release of Body Double. And apparently there's actually been four official music videos for <laughs> Relax. There you go. <laughs> so I love like the reason why I pulled that out is because it's a really wild story. It's a weird scene, but I think it's very funny that they replaced sounds like i mean i guess of the time in 1983-84 to be kind of a weird video with basically like is it any much better than like a porn studio set like yeah you know in body double you know (laughs) and i'm assuming the version that went out on mtv didn't have the um the the climax so to speak of that sequence um (laughs) (laughs) as it appears in the film i mean yeah I've, i've i don't know if i've I've not maybe not seen a completely full, unadulterated, uncensored version of that original relax video. I mean, I think that is a more um, it's it's I think that's maybe a little bit more extreme. You probably see a little bit more. And it's certainly um, it's certainly queerer, um, which also would have been a a factor in its acceptability to the general public. I mean, um, I, I suppose, uh, you know, the argument would be, well, they may be on a porn set in, in, in this video, but at least it's a straight porn set. Yeah. Um, although you still get some kind of like leather daddies. At the oh, bar, yeah, there's tons so of leather daddies. There's, there's, yeah. yeah, there's something going on. Yeah. Um, 
the the funny thing about that set though that they used the nightclub set in um in relax so basically that was used the following year for the nightclub scene in 1985's fright night oh there you go yeah, yeah no were, okay yeah no that makes yeah. sense so they were both uh filmed and produced and distributed by columbia pictures so I'm wrapping up here. Last few fo- like fun little facts about the film, but I, I, I do want to bring up the house. It's quite oh, yes. insane. So that is actually a real house in Hollywood. Uh, is it really? Even yeah. the whole cable car bit? Yeah. It's uh, the futuristic it's octagon-shaped house at the top of the hills. It's called the Chemosphere, and it's located just off of Mulholland Drive, and it was once described as the most modern home in America. There you go. <laughs> really Sounds weird. Like a rehab center. <laughs> it, it probably doesn't look like it does inside in the movie. I mean, obviously, yeah. the the the, um, the the interior no, of the house, <laughs> yeah, is a very um, a wonderfully obvious set with a completely <laughs> unconvincing um, uh, skyline. Yeah. Um, outside, um, which looks like it's about you know, two inches away from the window. <laughs> um, but yeah, oh, it's a great view. You guys need a view. Great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Greg Henry, who who plays you know Sam, and also uh, I'm not going to spoil it, but make the makeup applied to his face in order for him to turn into the unrecognizable Native American man took around three and a half to four hours uh, after each application. The prosthetics process required many makeup tests, a lift, latex. Uh, full belly attachment, teeth plates, and a complete hairpiece. Uh, Goodness gracious. Pretty wild. Uh, I guess until he probably pulls it off, it's a pretty wild um, outfit. He's very creepy. Yeah, uh, yeah no, I forget sure. the mark from Drive. <laughs> you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It has that similarly um, uh, uncanny quality. And have you guys seen Under the Silver Lake? I, yeah, I, have it, I haven't seen it yet. Um, because I don't usher anymore, so I know we had it. For okay, ages. gotcha. <laughs> uh, it's you know it's a yeah, yeah. it's it's an interesting movie. I, I won't say if mm. it's good or bad because I'm I'm still not entirely sure. But it's certainly very department inflected and certainly seems to have a lot of body double in it. But there's a there's a character in that movie, the like the pirate. He keeps seeing pirate around, and the way that the pirate is shot really reminds me of the way that this character is shot in. Um, mm body double this kind of like very strange and completely incongruous figure in kind of broad daylight i mean yeah he looks like uh he looks like um kind of a day of the dead era tom savini zombie almost yeah, his yeah. makeup or, or or jason without his mask and he's just sort of <laughs> running around a, a, yeah. a, a kind of a high-end mall in broad daylight and there's something so genuinely kind of yeah like very uh, uncanny about that mm-hmm. well like uh we were talking about the at the start of our talk about body double, uh, there was a lot of controversy over the film when it was released a lot, particularly over the drilling scene. Um, basically the Palmas made a career of getting in trouble with women's groups and, uh, just first depiction of women in film. Uh, but I mean, like we were talking about it, you know, is, is it read as a phallic substitute? De Palma basically said that, you know, he had to find a way for, it to be seen by a character across the canyon. <laughs> it was never his intention to create a sexual image with the grill, the drill. Uh, but he could see how it could be construed that way. He did admit to that. Well, at least but, he, at least he can concede that much. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, sure. I could, I could yeah, I could see that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? It's not, not there. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's interesting. It, it kind of it seems to me to be almost a, a kind of um, an active try, him trying to top the uh, the chainsaw from Scarface. Yeah. You know, this sort yeah. of like, what power tool can I, can I wield? Next, because that was one of the most controversial sequences yeah, for definitely. Scarface was yeah. the chainsaw. Yeah, in the, exactly. In and the then the next arm involved like a lawnmower or something. I don't right? know if he ever. <laughs> I don't know if he ever beat Drill. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, the film made about eight point eight million dollars off of anywhere from a six to ten million dollar budget, so it didn't do well. Uh, and it was only it was the only film of this supposed three movie deal that De Palma had with Columbia. Uh, De Palma picked up a Golden Raspberry f- nomination for Worst Director, but Silver nice. Linings, um, he didn't he didn't win, so that's good. Okay. But, uh, Silver Linings, uh, Melanie Griffith picked up a Golden Globe nomination for a role as Holly Body, so that's really cool. And like we've been talking about, I mean, the film's become a huge cult classic over the years, and De Palma mentioned in the documentary that people bring it up to him all the time, and it's something they always want to talk about. So that's nice to to know and. Uh, Patrick Bateman's favorite film, yeah, I believe, in that's, the in the, yeah, that's the novel, my next little as bit to the movie. Yeah, oh, there you go. Brett Easton Ellis's novel, which was adapted into American Psycho in 2000, references the film many, many times. Uh, it was one of the main characters, Patrick Bateman's favorite movies, having rented it over 37 times. Have to return some videotapes. He doesn't mention it in the film, unfortunately. But if you go back and listen to our American Psycho episode, episode 21, hey, call back. Uh, you can you can hear a lot of other funny things about weird films and how women are treated and uh, yeah incels. <laughs> this is uh, what incel. I was getting getting to is uh, is Jake Scully an incel? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, we 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 hope uh, we would hope that he had um, perhaps uh, consummated his his relationship with his wife beforehand, but just not satisfactorily so. So no, not an incel, but 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 impotent, um, for sure. Yeah, he's got incel I, qualities. If oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, this is for sure a movie that um, I think is uh, it's such a corny thing to say. Oh, it's still relevant today. But I think the way that um, Body Double could relate to our discourse around incels. Um, and uh, all that sort of thing, and male fantasy, and the way that this movie seems to be concerned with puncturing male fantasy, um, I think it is relevant still. Yeah, and to be honest, like, as De Palma has said about his films and stuff, I mean, this film is incredibly tame compared to stuff you see today. Like, you know, even on TV, you know? Like, so I think, like, he's just... It was just unfortunate of the timing. Hey, Steve. Uh, it was unfortunate timing, um, you know, from when he was making films. You know, he's someone who was pushing boundaries like Hitchcock pushed boundaries, you know, in the 50s and the 60s and stuff. He, you know, he was doing it in the 70s and the 80s and he was just pushing those boundaries that they weren't quite ready for yet. And uh, I mean, like Hitchcock, if I remember correctly, in Psycho was one of the first times you ever saw a toilet in a film before, you know, Indeed. and it's just like, Indeed. that's wild. Like that, that's so, you know, taboo and, you know, all these ideas that are in De Palma films. I mean, you could, I can easily agree with people if they want to see, say that like the way he depicts women in films is, uh, is a bit, I don't know. Contentious is it's, it's, it's sometimes it's a bit, it's a bit much, but at the same time, 
I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think he goes out of his way to just be like this despicable person. And well, I was just going to say, what's wrong with like, you know, people just sort of enjoying what they like as long as they're not um, being completely horrible. I don't know. <laughs> doing it. As long as they're not doing it in real life. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> uh, there we go. Um, no, I think he, I think, uh, I think he had good days and bad days, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, I think there are definitely moments in his films, especially um, depictions of uh, women that are really quite hard to, to yeah. um, justify. But at the same time, this is the guy who made Carrie, which is one of the greatest films ever made about um, mother-daughter relationships, yeah. you know, female adolescence. Uh, Girl coming of is, age, becoming a woman. But a wonderful, wonderful film. So I don't know. Um, yeah, definitely. I think he had good days and bad days. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think on the bad day he's more just feeding into a genre as opposed to yeah. a moralistic standpoint he's taking with his movies. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, no, I, for sure. He's like a he's like a slasher director who you know can't help his tendencies to want to make a slasher sometimes, but he's also just trying to make <laughs> like a a normal thriller film, you know, sort of thing like that. You know, doesn't need those slasher scenes, but he can't help himself. You know what I mean? Like he just it, it, at times he's just gonna be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push the envelope here. <laughs> I'm gonna put." No, for sure. Away. I mean, he's 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 definitely a a self indulgent director, which yeah. um, depending on the film, I think is either a a plus or a, or a minus. Mm-hmm. Um, but in 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 terms of uh, body double, I think his his self indulgence really pays off, and is also I think a more interesting and uh, maybe critical and, and even self-critical film than, than other people have given it credit for. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that's just, you know, for him, I think it's great though, just because he's, he's someone, if you like directors that just push boundaries and just like kind of doesn't give a fuck, like De Palma's definitely someone that you should check out. His films are certainly beautiful. I think in every film that he's made, even probably the the worst of his films, uh, there's going to be something in there that's just going to blow your mind. Be it little shot here or there, or just like the way he moves the camera or or he's never phoned or, it in. Yeah, he's never phoned it in. Even in his more kind of like gun for hire projects, the things that he wasn't so invested in. I mean, he's talked candidly about not you know, being so enthusiastic about, say, Mission Impossible or The Untouchables. These yeah. are still films that are that you can feel uh, a raw passion for filmmaking in every frame of. And, yeah. and these were these were the days that he was, you know, um, ostensibly phoning it in. So I think, um, yeah, he's a, he's a really, really fascinating figure in the history of cinema. Yeah. Well, Body Double, it was due to screen on the 15th of May, and that was, as Tamsin mentioned earlier, as part of a Brian De Palman season, uh, which would have seen the likes of The Phantom of the Paradise, Blowout, Carrie, Raisin Kane, The Untouchable, Scarface, and many, many more. Uh, but hopefully, any of the films that get canceled um, due to the ongoing pandemic will be back in the program. Uh, the ones that are coming up that are further off that may not get canceled if we're able to open our doors... They will probably stay where they're at. We might just have to like shuffle it backwards. We'll see what happens, but we're not going to just completely cancel all these films outright. We, we are working very hard. Shout out Paul, who is working very hard to try to get these films back in. Uh, but that's us. We're wrapping up here. Maybe we'll 
we'll see what we can do if we can do another um, diploma episode. If you guys want to hear more, hit us up at the PCC podcast on Twitter, or you can send us an email at podcast@princeworldcinema.com. If you like what you hear, you want to hear more, you want to hear about Carrie, you want to hear about Scarface, let us know. Maybe we'll we'll do an episode. It'll be kind of fun. Uh, Tamsin, what are you what are you up to? What are you going to be doing? Is, you know, you mentioned your uh, project that you're working on. Um, is there anything that you can get people to direct it towards if, where they can follow you to find out more about that sort of stuff? Obviously, we'll share it when you're done. But um, yeah, sure. So I, I'm at uh, Princess Ozma on uh, Twitter. That's mm-hmm. Princess O Z M A underscore. Uh, at Princess Ozma on uh, Twitter, and I don't tweet a lot, but um, as soon as I'm, uh, I've got something to tweet about, I will, and that will <laughs> include uh, the video essay. I'm going to try and uh, make a concerted effort to uh, become more of a, uh, a fixture of film Twitter. Yeah, uh, sure. at least have a little go at, um, at tweeting about movies um, more often. So yeah, that would be a, a place to watch. Um, but yeah, I'll I'll let you guys know. Uh, as soon as there's something to report and you can uh, disseminate that through your various channels. So, yep. Yeah. Happy to do that. Phil, you got out of your ball last week. <laughs> I got out of my ball. Um, I'm standing and walking now. Oh my I'm God. Seeing things clearly for the first time in a while. Nice. Um, if the, if we're getting to the only, it's only been, we're getting to the one month mark. Yep. Now, you know, it's day by day. A couple more days, you're going to um, be back in that ball. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, it's really like a roller coaster. It's up and down. There's yeah, a few days that definitely. fly by, and I'm like, oh, I can do this. And then there's days that drag and blur together, and I'm like, it's been three years since I've left the house. Yeah, yeah um, sure. But yeah, uh, I don't know. People can find me in the usual places uh, at home. Um, <laughs> or, in bed. Uh, in bed uh, or on the couch. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, at Far Away Third on Twitter, uh, Dog Climate on Instagram. I feel like I never pimped that out. Yeah. Um, and you know, keep keep sending emails. I really like hearing about uh, people's early film experiences and yeah. memories of Prince Charles, and um, and I had fun learning about the Palm and Body Double today. There you go. Well, I, it was a pleasure pleasure to be oh, here. Thank you, Tamsin and Waffle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yep. That's what we're good at. <laughs> yeah, and you can find me at Tall for All, T A L L, the number four on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, yeah, I mean, follow the podcast. Give us, you know, just keep keep on oh, yeah. keep on plugging away. If you like what you hear, we do a bonus episode every month on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast. That's available for all five dollars and up backers. Um, please just help us out there we love doing those bonus episodes as well we had someone request an episode so uh in order to do that you have to pay a little bit more um but you know hey you get to hear anything you want to hear uh so we'll be doing that soon hopefully maybe maybe we'll do two in april we'll see if 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 we get bonus episodes we can do a bonus one we'll see we'll see what happens anyway uh yeah always just hit us up with the pcc podcast on twitter send us an email at podcast at prince uh, follow the Prince Charles Cinema's mailing list as well, because if you want to get in on all those questions and stuff that we, you know, are asking and you know answering, like reading out the answers for on the podcast, that's where you'll find those. So every Tuesday and Thursday, we've got those coming out. So yeah. Anyway, uh, 
Thanks so much, Tamsin, again, for coming on again. It's so awesome to finally have you back. Hopefully you won't be <laughs> no so next time. It was a real pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much. Favorite De Palma film as we, uh, as we end? Uh, either Blowout or Carlito's Way. I'm going to go for Carlito, Carlito's Way just this second because I'm on the spot. Sick. Phil? Oh, God. Ooh, it, it'd be, I think, Carlito's Way or Scarface. Oh, Scarface. I think nice. Cool. I'm going Blowout. Nice. All three like <laughs> error covers. <laughs> cool. All right, cool. thanks guys. No worries. Bye, guys. Bye. Go watch some uh, sexy Hitchcock. Yeah, go finish that sexy Hitchcock. <laughs> <laughs>